0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Industry Seating. My name is Jason Thomas. I am your host. It is May 2nd, Sunday. Series is over. 2021 Monster Energy Supercross Series has come to an end. I'm back home. I flew home to Boise this morning. I flew down to Salt Lake yesterday morning. And uh, I wasn't even supposed to go. I was supposed to go to Mexico. Plans fell through, unfortunately. And in the wake of that, I just pivoted and went to the finale. So not mad about it. Uh, I will end up going to Cabo at some point here. I need to, need to re-solidify those plans. But it was a great day. The weather cooperated. Man, the The pits were packed. It felt normal. It was awesome. That That's the closest race that I've felt like we were pre-COVID. And yeah, there were masks. And yeah, we had precautions. And yeah, 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 yeah. But it was pretty darn close You know, capacity wise, they still had the pod seating and and those things. If you're not familiar, you'll, if you get to go to a race, you'll see it. It, It's definitely not the same uh, capacity wise that we're used to like a sold out stadium, but in the pits, man, it was jamming. Like there were people everywhere. It was awesome to see. It was a nice return to where I think we're headed for, for 2022. So great day overall. Excited to be there. Before we talk about the race action too much, I want to thank the sponsors, Pirelli Tires, Plum Creek Funding, Guts Racing, Fast Foundry, Blends All, Works Connection, Premier Vapor Blasting of Georgia, 612 Suspension, Grant Stone Boots, Pro Glow Wash, and Fly Racing. But yeah, man, I, I just for a race that I wasn't even going to go to, I had an awesome day. I really enjoyed myself there. Um, you know, the, the racing was entertaining. Practices were fun to watch. You know the the championships were, eh, anticlimactic as we we kind of expected, right? We've we've been talking about it on this podcast for a while and all the other shows, Pulpamax and everything. We didn't expect too much drama because uh, the points gaps were, were simply too big. You know, there you were going to need catastrophe for anything to to happen on that front, and I I just didn't expect that, but. I did think it was a great finale, and sometimes we just get duds, man. There just nothing happens. People don't want to be there. Championships are already sealed. A lot of times we we they're mathematically done before we even arrive. So, in light of all that, I thought it was a, a fitting end to the series. It's pretty cool. The two hundred and fifty class, awesome race, right? And there were there were races within a race uh, for the two hundred and fifty class. Hunter Lawrence had a bonus for the top two in points. If he got third, he got $0 for, for that third place in series. So he was racing McAdoo incredibly hard there. And, and if you were watching that battle, I have not watched it back on TV, so I would hope that they were showing those guys. But there was an incredible race going on in the last few laps between those two. And for Hunter, it was, I don't know the number. I, I would guess it was a significant amount of money to get second in the series. But those are the little nuances that I find highly entertaining, and, and you're wondering why they're just going for it, right? They're in what they were fourth and fifth, I believe, but they're going all out uh, for those spots. They get third and fourth, or fourth and fifth. I don't know. I should know that. Uh, but there was there was a lot happening. Um, but it kind of didn't matter. Like the podium was whatever, but the the point situation was was everything. You know, to be second and third in points, you could see the emotion in their riding. They were fighting really, really hard for it and uh, and Hunter came out on top, so congrats to him, and I cannot say enough or, or enough times or describe it strongly enough at the improvement I saw from Hunter Lawrence in 2021. Last year, we were in Salt Lake for seven rounds, you know, three weeks or whatever, and I had him on my fantasy team a couple times, and it w- it went catastrophically bad. I was really for lack of a better word, just bummed on his performance because he cost me a ton of points. He didn't even make the main event uh, at the at the finale. He rode incredibly poorly. And I would have never thought this is the Hunter Lawrence we would see this year. I would have never thought he would be second in points and in the battle to win races and so on. Uh, but good for him. You know, you can see the effort he's put in. You can see the determination he's shown. And, and I have no doubt that riding with his brother, Jet, who is a phenom, right? He's, he was your race winner last night. That has to help. You know, you don't want to get beaten by your brother, but when your brother's that damn good, you better be ready to raise your level and put the work in and continue to improve. And he did that. Uh, I really like to shine a light on people that are clearly putting in a high level of effort to improve themselves and their their skill set and everything about their game, and Hunter Lawrence did exactly that. His riding ability in the Whoops this year was—I mean, I don't really have the the correct adjectives for it. It was—it was great. I mean, good for him. I just didn't see it coming. It was a complete surprise to me. And if he continues this level of improvement, or you know, his his growth curve remains at this rate, you could be looking at he and his brother Jet being champions next year. And it's really premature for that. And there's so many variables, but make me a case against it. You know, it's, it certainly could happen. If they position them, which I'm sure they will, in opposite coasts, I don't have a reason to say it couldn't happen. So interesting, and it's great to have both of those brothers at the front. They're incredibly charismatic. They're so comfortable in front of the camera. They're engaging with the fans. They, they're doing everything right it it helps right there they they have that australian accent that everybody loves so they have a lot of good things going for them and, and feld entertainment's going to benefit the sport's going to benefit their sponsors will benefit it's there's a lot of upside to it and just as a general positive for the sport i'm all for it i don't i don't see any negative from it i would i wish fire racing sponsored them uh, but yeah it's that's part of it but i i do think they are an incredible bright spot uh, in a sport that's gone through a tough time in the last 18 months because of COVID. As for the 250 main event, yeah, that that was kind of really the only thing I was watching. You know, Jet I thought powered through. He was he was a little under the weather. He powered through that, was able to chase down Colt Nichols, and it went about how I thought. Once once Jet got to Colt, I didn't think Colt would put up much of a fight. You know, Colt's got the championship on his mind. That was where his focus was. And I think he was willing to go try to win. We talked about that a little bit. If a win is there, those guys are going to go try to take it. But they're not going to take huge risk for it. They're not going to get into some tit-for-tat battle or certainly be making any contact or doing anything stupid with anybody just to get the win. So when Colt took off, he's like, okay, I'm going to go win here until somebody proves otherwise and Jet was able to close that gap down and then Colt I think made the smart decision by just stepping away from that battle and say okay Jet this is this is going to be your main event because I think Jet's willing to take more chances there he, he's willing to put it on the line where Colt should not be and everyone has to make that decision in that moment but I, I was happy to see Colt make smart decisions manage risk and uh and bring that championship home because uh I, I really like Colt. I've only hung out with him a few times. Uh, last year was one of those times at Benny Boss's wedding. But he is a, a genuinely nice guy, and, and he's gone through a lot over his career. He's been injured a lot, so to see him make good on that and bring home that championship was pretty cool. As for Justin Cooper, your your other champion, <laughs> really didn't see a lot from him, right? It was a an underwhelming main event, and. If I put myself into that situation, which nobody cares about me racing, but I I always view it, you know, I raced for so long that I always view myself in those situations and and walk through how I would approach them. I would have done exactly what Justin Cooper did. I would have been cruising around. I would not have gotten into any confrontations. There would have been no drama in my race whatsoever. You probably wouldn't have even known that I was out there. And and that's kind of how I felt about Justin Cooper, right? He gets ninth place. He's certainly capable of much better than that. But that's how I would have drawn it up for myself, a forgettable main event with zero action and bring home the championship. That would have been the the recipe for me. Of course, Colt Nichols went the other direction and good for Colt. He got a I would bet I don't know, 30 grand for his troubles, maybe 20 20 to 30 grand he got for the for second place, which certainly doesn't hurt, but I would just be so risk averse in that main event. You wouldn't have seen me anywhere near the uh, the top three. So that's it. That's it for the 250s. We're, we roll into Lucas Oil Promoter Cross for those guys. And I, I think we're in for a great series. I expect the Lawrence brothers to be a force to be reckoned with. But I'll tell you, the Monster Star Yamahas are going to be right there again. We're going to get the return of Jeremy Martin. Don't forget about that guy. Justin Cooper, I think, will be at the front nearly every race. You know, whether he can beat... And win races? We'll see. But his starting ability and his just raw speed is going to have him at the front battling for this championship as well. So the interesting thing about that is those guys are going to have some time off to prepare. I don't think that guys like Nichols or Cooper have really been focusing on outdoors very much yet. I think they've been riding supercross pretty exclusively and they'll shift now, right? They probably had a fun night last night. You know, some guys, some guys drink. Some guys don't, right? They, a lot of these guys are right at the age where some of them can't, but a lot of people had fun last night. I went straight to bed. I'm too old for all that nonsense. They'll rest and recover today, but they'll be right back at it on Monday. They'll be, a lot of these guys will be out there motoring at the motocross track on Monday, trying to get some preparation in and then take next weekend off completely and uh, get some rest and recovery. Jumping right into the power rankings to keep this rolling right along. 450 class was cool, man. It was a great race. I didn't know what to expect. There were so many variables, and I talk about this quite often because, again, I lived it, and I've you know this is all I've ever really done is be around this sport. There are a lot of differing motivations or lack lack thereof going into the finale. It's always been that way. Probably always will be that way. But some guys don't want to be there. They wish the series was done. They're already thinking about motocross or thinking about time off. A la. I'm going to I'm going to use Jason Anderson. I, I don't think I don't I think he was dealing with altitude sickness, but when you pull off like that in the second race, like clearly he was he was over it. He was probably forced to be over it, but you get a lot of guys that are approaching this race from different mental states. Some guys are thinking, I want to win. This is my chance to go win the race. I want to really take advantage of this. Marvin Muscan was there. Uh, Chase Sexton was there. You could see those guys. I think even like Ferrandis, Mookie, a lot of those guys felt that way, and you could really see their effort level reflect where their head was. And then I think you had other guys that were thinking about Lucas or promoter cross or, you know, they kind of blew the series already and they just wanted to go home. I think Eli Tomac fits that bill. He did crash. He had two crashes last week. He had one crash this week. And I'll just give you this how many times have you seen Eli Tomac crash, mul- especially multiple times in one main event, and then have back-to-back bad main events? Like, it hasn't happened in multiple years. That leads me to think that his head wasn't really in it, and he was already over it, right? He he. The series is over for him. That doesn't really happen often. He doesn't go into many uh, ends of series without a chance to win that championship. So when he's going in, with, in that situation, I think he finds himself disinterested, He starts to, I don't want to say daydream because that's not really the right phrase, but it's very easy to lose focus and have lapses in concentration. How about that? So I think that's what we saw from Tomac. And there's just this wide array of those different approaches to this round. And and you could really see the results play out uh, accordingly. Uh, So at number 10, let's start at 11. Actually, I have an honorable mention here. He didn't make the top 10, but I I think he, he could have made a case for it was Joey Savacchi, and he got sixth uh, last night, Saturday night, this is Sunday. I thought he rode incredibly well. He was actually moving forward, and I had a hard time keeping him out of the top 10, but really what kept him out was the body of work. He just had a, you know, so many races that weren't as good as the end of the series, and I, I had to really, being the last power rankings of the Supercross series, I had to take into account early parts of the season, you know, good nights, bad nights. And really what I think left him off was he never had that breakout ride where he got a third, a fourth, a fifth, you know, that that was what I was looking for. I needed that top-end, high-end result to really catapult him above a few of these other guys, regardless of how good that sixth place was uh, at the finale. That was a good ride, but I'm talking like a podium-level ride where, you know, Mookie got one... And all these guys were battling in there. Ferrandez got one. That, that's really what, what, in the end, made the difference for me. Number 10, Aaron Plessinger. I don't know what to make of uh, AP's last few races. You know, he had so much momentum in Atlanta. If you guys remember, like, I, I thought he was going to get a win there. He should have won. Uh, what race was it? Atlanta one? What was the muddy one? Yeah, Atlanta one, I believe, where he had the lead. He's kind of checking out, and he makes a mistake, falls down. That race for him was set up to win. He, he left it on the table, and you never know, man. I, I think he will win. Like He's, he's still progressing. I, I don't know for a fact, but he I, I feel very confident in saying he will be moving over to Red Bull KTM for 22 and beyond. Uh, so I, I do think that program will help him, and I could certainly see him getting a win on that KTM. But you never know. Like, that could be his only chance. You just never know if you're never, if you're going to get another shot at a win, and when you have a multiple-second lead and you look to be the fastest guy, got to take advantage of that. And that was weeks ago. I'm not going to harp on it. Uh, but it, more importantly, these last few rounds just weren't quite as good. He seemed to have lost a little bit of that mojo that he was displaying for, yeah, several races in a row there. Daytona, uh, Arlington was good. He was running up front, winning heat races, rolls into Atlanta, same thing. And then something – Something changed. I, I don't know. I'm going to bring it up on the review podcast with uh, Weege and Mathis tonight. We'll talk about it on the Pulp Show. But something changed. It'll be interesting to get their take on it. I have Jason, or excuse me, number nine. I have Dylan Ferrandis, and he's he was really riding well. The only thing that's missing from Ferrandis is the early laps. If he could get a whole shot and ride as well at the beginning of the race as he does at the end of the race, you'd see him battling for podiums and wins. Period. End of end of story. The pace, the talent, everything's there. It's just that missing ingredient of the first few laps because the other guys are getting away from him. The Webbs, you know, Tomac at times, Roxon, whoever, Marvin, they're getting out front and they're putting in heaters at the beginning of the race and they're getting a gap that Ferrandez can't close down. He can match their pace in the second half of the race, but matching their pace isn't good enough. You need to be up there with him and then the last five laps, you can sort it out, right? And may may the best man win at that point. But if you're not there asking Dylan Ferrandis to close up five seconds in the last few laps, especially when you're dealing with guys like Webb and Sexton and Marvin, who are on the level they're on, it's too much of an ask for me. Maybe he gets to the point where he turns into Eli Tomac and no gap is safe. I don't personally see that happening. I think he's going to have to get up there in the beginning to get it done, but I think he can. Everything else, when I watch him, everything else is there. I would, I would expect that he and David Villeman, his riding coach, will be working on that nonstop this coming off because that's really it. That's the difference between him being a multiple race winner and a championship contender, and being a a you know perennial top ten guy. That to me, that's the the big difference that he needs to figure out. And honestly, before I move on, that was happening in the 250 class too, if you remember. He was just good enough, and in the, in the talent level is, is much lower in the 250 class, so he could close that gap down. In the 450 class, you really can't do that. The guys are too good. They're too fit, too strong, and they know how to close. Where the 250 guys, you're you are racing kids. Ferrandez is not a kid, right? So that was a big advantage he had in that class. Uh, so we'll see if he's if he's able to fix it, because he it didn't matter in the 250s. He was able to overcome it. In spite of the weakness there or the, just the missing component of his game, the 450s, you, you can't have any holes in your game or they will get exploited and exposed, uh, yeah, by all the good guys. They, they will know that. Just like I'm telling you that because I know it, they know it uh, in the same aspect. They have coaches and everybody that are studying this stuff. That's their job. At number eight, I have Jason Anderson, and that was a, that was a rough couple rounds, right? And honestly, it was rough in Atlanta too. The most difficult part of that is his riding was incredible. He rode so well over the last six weeks, and he has really nothing to show for it. He, he wasn't able to capitalize on his pace. He got a couple good starts in those rounds, which is really holding him back. I'm guessing he got out to do sickness again last night. He pulled off and, and rode straight back to the truck in the middle of a battle with Barsha. So I'm thinking just whatever ails him hit him hard, and he went straight to the truck. I don't have any other explanation for that. It was the only thing that I could really think would make sense. I'm sure that will come out and we'll get some, uh, some information on it, but it, it's a bummer when you see somebody that's riding that well. And um, yeah, just tough, man. Tough for Anderson. We'll see what he brings outdoors. Remember he won the first moto of the, the motocross series last year out of nowhere. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens with him um, for next year for him. I believe that he's going to Monster Star Yamaha. I, I think he will replace Aaron Plessinger. I, I don't think the contract's signed yet, but uh, I think it's it's close. It may have gotten done this weekend, right? I flew in and flew out. I, I wasn't getting scoops in the pits or anything, but I think you're going to hear about that happening. I think you're going to see uh, Plessinger go to KTM and then Jason Anderson replace him at Monster Star Yamaha. That, that's that's pretty solid info and I feel comfortable sharing it with you guys. So we'll, we'll see if that happens this week. Uh, at number seven, I have, uh, Malcolm Stewart, Mookie, as we lovingly call him and really great ending of the series. He, he kind of flew under the radar last night. It was still a good ride. Uh, you know, it just wasn't the, of course the third place finish that we saw at Salt Lake one, but, but still a fifth place ride is nothing to sneeze at. he was, incredibly solid. He just really didn't jump out, right? You were you weren't watching him going, "Oh man, Mookie might win this or Mookie might get on the podium" because there was so much action at the front with that uh, the battle with Sexton and um, of, of course Webb, Roxins, which we'll get to Marvin. There was so much happening at the front. The battle with Mookie and uh Ferrandis and Barsha and Anderson all those guys kind of got overshadowed, unfortunately, because there was there was a ton of action going on back there. But a, a great end of the series for Mookie going 3-5. Nice way to end it. And the only question I have really with Mookie is, he, is he going to ride outdoors? I don't really know. I know he was testing outdoors. I know he had a few tryouts with with uh, Monster Star Yamaha for Outdoors kind of trying to prove himself that he could be that guy too. I just don't know where that landed. Uh, I don't know that a decision was ever made. If I had to guess, I would say no, just because there hasn't been really any fire behind the smoke there, Uh, but we'll see. I I think he brings a lot to a series, so I hope hope he decides to ride outdoors. We'll take everybody we can get. Number six, I have Justin Barsha, and interesting ride from him last night. You know, it's certainly better. Salt Lake has not treated him kindly for, for the last year, and that was better for sure. Uh, he ended up with a seventh place. Not too bad. That's at the higher end of his Salt Lake range. You know, over where we have nine rounds of Salt Lake racing to reflect on. And and it was nice to see at least Barsha in the mix. He and Anderson were, it was like a full contact sport there for a while. And, uh, thankfully neither of them went down, but I, I thought it was a positive note for Barsha to end the series on. Salt Lake one was not at all by any means. So, Nice way to bounce back. And at least, okay, yeah, you didn't get a podium. You didn't get a top five, whatever. I get it. But at least you can leave there with your head up and not scratching your head, which would be the opposite, obviously, wondering what the hell that was about. And and you start questioning everything about your program. And, you know, that's what you don't want. You don't want to leave with your head held, you know, down and, and you're in the dumps and your confidence takes a hit and then you have to wait nearly a month before we get to, uh, Paula in California for the first race to kind of sort that out again. So if you can just leave on an even keel, and that's what I think Barsha was able to do. He could see that group in front of him the whole time. They really didn't pull away from him. So he can go and say, yeah, we figured it out. We got the bike better. I rode better. And now he can focus fully on a, you know, kind of with a positive attitude towards this summer and I don't know what to expect from Barsha this summer he you know he switched to gas gas we we have seen haven't seen him on anything but a Yamaha in quite some time outdoors but I would think his starts will be pretty good and uh, yeah I think he has to be excited for that change too we've seen Barsha be a podium guy so many years outdoors I have no reason to believe he can't this year either but to me it's more of a question mark than anything else Pirelli tires, if you're going to buy any tires for your summer of racing, if you're getting ready for Loretta Lens or any of the the big amateur nationals over the summer, especially if you're a dad listening to this podcast and you are going to get your son or daughter's bikes styled, in, check out the new range of Scorpion MX32 mid-soft mini tires. I think for tracks like Loretta's, if you're especially if you're racing. It's you know still springtime, I guess, considered for the northern parts of the country. A lot of the tracks are still pretty soft. You're still probably getting some inclement weather. Those are the perfect tires for that kind of weather. Those are the tires I raced on. The MX32 mid-soft is what I used. And what you'll see, riders like Garrett Marchbanks and John Short and all these guys using in Lucas Oil and exactly the same tires that they use in MXGP. Uh, guys like Jeffrey Hurlings. Those are the tires that they use. Jorge, you know, Jorge Prado, all those guys, they use Pirelli tires and they choose those exact tires. The Midsoft is is their choice. I've seen it. I've looked literally at their bikes and seen the same tire that you can take off the shelf. Palm Creek funding. I'm not even going to recommend buying anything anymore because, and I'll tell you why I've been looking at housing prices around Boise and it is out of control, out of control. The house or I live in a town home, so I don't have a yard, but really nice area of town. I love where I live. Uh, you know, it's one of the nicer areas in the Boise Valley. If my, that's my opinion, but the prices where I'm at have skyrocketed and I would love to buy something over here right now, but I'm unwilling to pay the price that these people want. And that, and that's great. I'm happy for the builders and, and existing home, you know, homeowners that they can get that price, but I'm not willing to pay it. So my advice is if you're an, if you're a homeowner, refinance now before these rates move up. You have a great opportunity and you probably will for the next, I'm going to say six to seven months. I don't think we're going to see any sort of change in the year 2022. So that gives you time to get organized, but reach out to Zach Morris. His number is 720-212-4685. He is with Plum Creek Funding. And even if he's not licensed in your state, he can refer you to the right person and at least give you advice. You know, you're You're a moto person. That's why you're listening to this podcast, unless you landed here by mistake. And if you are, I'm incredibly sorry for what I'm putting you through rambling about motorcycles. But more importantly, you could still reach out to Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding and save yourself a ton of money on your existing home loan. Guts Racing. I was actually watching an Instagram video with Dean Wilson talking about the RJ wide wing seat, and they developed this seat in conjunction with Rick Johnson. That's why it's called the RJ wide wing seat. And what they wanted it to do was give it a little bit more side grip. So they've expanded the back and the bottom of the actual seat to give you more uh, square inches, I guess would be the term, but more surface area to grip with. And, you know, gripping the seat with your legs is one of the most underutilized techniques out there. Uh, You know, for Supercross, unquestionably, you have to grip with your legs to hold the bike uh, straight in the whoops, instead of it hopping all around and kicking up. Riders are using their legs more than you would ever know, right? If you're a novice rider, if you're new to the sport, maybe you've never ridden, you wouldn't really know that you, you think, oh, you just hold on with your arms and then your feet are on the foot pegs. There's a lot more to it than that. Your legs and your thighs are gripping the entire time and they are holding the bike straight. And you know, that rear tire is spinning, you know, that the engines at, 10,000 RPM. Well, that rear tire is constantly wanting to break traction. So your thighs and your the inner part of your thighs, are gripping that bike and holding it. So your core has to be incredibly strong. Your legs have to be incredibly strong to uh, to hold that steady. Well, this RJ Wide Wing seat is going to give you more surface area to do that with, right? So it's just giving you, in my opinion, a little bit more leverage when you're when you're doing all that gripping. So check out Guts Racing. Go to gutsracing.com at guts racing on Instagram. Fast Foundry, you know, this is not a moto company, right? They're moto people. Uh, Mr. Carrico actually made it down to the uh, the Salt Lake round for the finale yesterday. I got to spend a little bit of time with him, but I'm just going to do a read for you because this is how they wrote it up. Instead of me trying to poorly explain exactly what Fast Foundry does, I'm just going to let them tell you. Fast Foundry delivers excellence in terms of dedicated business-centric solutions, they are specialized in customized, user-friendly systems that can both integrate with your existing business applications or replace antiquated ones. Their team has extensive experience in automating and connecting existing existing business platforms and enhancing systems to utilize cutting-edge technologies. Now, that kind of really just explains what I always am telling you: they can upgrade your systems if you're right. A lot of a lot of businesses out there. I go to dealers all the time that are using pen and paper. Their their computer systems are you know, functional at best and nowhere near where they should be, they're certainly nowhere near automation or, you know, they're, they don't use light speed or any, any of the things that can make their business much more efficient. That's where a business like fast Foundry comes in. They can get you into 2021 very quickly and take so much of the manual work out of the equation. They're going to make you more efficient. They're going to save you a ton of time and money. And that's what, that's what it's all about. So reach out to Fast Foundry. You can uh, contact them at 208-991-3320. Ask for Robert Carrico, and you can go to fastfoundry.com for more information. If nothing else, just do like what I tell you to do with palm Creek funding all the time. Just ask questions because I'm not an expert on this, right? They are the experts. There may be a way for them to help you that you're not even thinking about. And that's where they come in. They have the expertise that they, you can explain your situation. If you have a difficulty with your business and you're like, "Man, this could be better. I don't know how to ma- how it can be better." That's that's your problem, right? You just look at it and say this is a problem. That's where they come in and they can find the solution for you. And that to me in a nutshell, that's the best way to explain it is you've identified a problem. This could be better, but you don't know how to make it better. Ask the experts how they can make it better. They have a list of solutions. They work with Fortune 500 companies on all this stuff. So I'm sure for your small business, they've they've seen every problem there is out there to see, whether it's a digital event, whether it's something you're trying to organize that's way over your head and you don't have the manpower or logistics to, to plan it. That's where Fast Foundry could come in and help. Work Connection. We're going to talk about Ken Roxon here in a minute, but guess what? He whole shot at another race. He's out front again. He uses the Pro Launch Start device. You can save money using the Pro Launch Start device with the promo code JT21 at checkout. Ken Rock's had a horrible, horrible run here, but his starts are consistent. He's still getting out front. Chase Sexton right up there with him. They use that Pro Launch Start device. If you saw Justin Cooper jumping out to huge hole shots in both the heat and the, uh, the main event, he didn't end up sealing it, but Colt Nichols, he ends up sealing it. Guess what they use? Pro Launch Start Device from Works Connection. Go to worksconnection.com, at worksconnection on Instagram to learn more. Blenzol oils, they have uh, that new Ultra TPI oil blend that just came out. Go check that out. A brand new catalog that they just launched. They're very excited about it. Merchandise, all kinds of things, at Blenzol on Instagram. You can learn more about them, blendsol.com. Thanks, Dave, and the team for being a part of the Industry seeding Podcast. Premier Vapor Blasting. Go on their Instagram. To me, I always tell you guys this. I've been telling you for a year the most impressive way to learn about what they do and the great things that they can do to restore your bike or just clean it. You don't even have to restore it, right? Just if you want to just make it look badass, send your parts to Premier Vapor Blasting. I'll give you an example. I I know some people, Ricky Carmichael being one, they have bikes in their house. Ricky had, and, and I think he sold this house maybe. But he had motorcycles, like his championship motorcycles, hanging from the roof down, right? They're completely restored, brand new. Everything got shined and cleaned, or they just put new parts on it or whatever. But that's something I want to do. I'm going to pay Max Steffens, who works for Western Power Sports, at some point here to build me a 1991 uh, or 92, maybe. I can't remember. I, I think it's 92 Jeremy McGrath replica 125. I just really liked how those peak pro circuit bikes looked. So if you're into doing projects like that, that's where Premier Vapor Blasting can come in and get your parts dialed in, right? I if I'm going to bring a bike in my house and have it on display, I don't want it looking old and hammered. I want it looking like it just rolled off the showroom floor even though it's 30 years old. And that's, that's the brilliance and the art that comes in with Premier Vapor Blasting. So reach out to them, mention the podcast and get 25% off uh, your Vapor Blasting work. 612 suspension, if you have any sort of Power Sports product, Side-by-side, side, street bike, dirt bike, moped, uh, whatever, quad, anything with you know forks or shocks on it, 612 Suspension can help. They are a Racetech affiliate, so the quality is there. The parts are there. You can get gold valves for, you know. of course, if you're racing dirt bikes, you want to get dialed in for Loretta Lens or Ponca City or whatever is upcoming, reach out to 612 Suspension. Ask for Ronnie. You can go to at 612 Suspension on Instagram. You can go to 612suspension.com. They are located in Florida, but of course, they can service your needs wherever you may be around the country, and if you're just getting, just getting rolling, as for me, I am in that case, my Honda 450 Works Edition, 2021 Works Edition, is showing up in Boise today. It is on the Western Power Sports Semi. It might even be here. I, I bet it's on the road right now, though. I will go pick it up from work tomorrow, and uh, I might get to spend a few laps uh, this week or maybe on next Saturday. But I'm excited about that, so I need to get I need to get Ronnie to dial me in as well to so reach out and get your suspension working at peak performance. Grantstone boots go to grandstoneboot.com at at grandstone Boot on Instagram and check out all the products. They have that belts, they have wallets, they have boots, of course, is their their main line. But if you work in an office, maybe you just like to go out to dinner on the weekends, right? That's more me. I don't I don't wear my boots to the office very often, but I did wear them on Friday night. I went to dinner with some friends. Wear my Stone boots. Check them out. I know you will be thrilled with them. I am. I have several pairs of them. I actually, need to. Answer. I had a question on Instagram about which ones I recommend. I just got a uh, these Ottawa. Ottawa is the type of uh, the style, and they're like this gray color. They're awesome. They're gray. They're they're probably going to kill me. Why it's probably going to kill me for saying gray, but they are gray. I just don't know the exact color that they use. But they're in an Ottawa cut, and, and I love them. They're, they're awesome. So check those out. Go to grandstoneboot.com for more information. ProGo Wash, the promo code is Moto15. And I have ProGo Wash in my garage, which I'm going to use probably tomorrow to wash my bike because it's dirty. It's still dirty from when I rode it in Vegas. I should have asked Steve Mathis to wash it. He probably would have told me no. Uh, so it would have been a waste of effort, and he would have just thrown it in my face. But I do need to use my Pro Glow Wash tomorrow to wash my brand new Honda. So check out Pro Glow Wash and use the promo code MOTO15 for something that's custom built and purpose built for power sports. If you want to go back and listen to the Industry Seating Podcast from Arlington, there's an interview with Ryan Humphrey from Pro Action Fluids, which is the parent company of Pro Glow Wash, and he explains exactly why you should be using ProMo or ProGo Wash and the science behind it, and why what makes it different and why. If you want, reach out to uh, reach out to those guys too. They'll they are be happy to give you more information. And I really think you'll be happy with that product instead of just going to Walmart or wherever. Or even at a dirt bike shop, a lot of those a lot of those brands aren't really putting a lot of science into it, right? It, they're kind of. I don't want to I don't want to put it out put down any brands because it's just not my style. But I think there are a lot of companies that are kind of cheaping out on their their bike wash products and I don't think there's there's a lot of effort putting in to innovate there and I know that Progo is so I could not recommend it anymore. Last but not least, Fly Racing. Check out the Kinetic Mesh. It is in your local dealer now. And I'm just gonna be honest with you, it's selling out very quickly. That's not just Fly Racing, that's everybody, but if you do want kinetic mesh for this summer, you better act quickly. So go to flyracing.com, visit your local dealer or online e-tailer as they say new terminology these days. Now, at number 5 in your power rankings is Chase Sexton and what a ride from Sexton that was incredible. I think everyone, you, me, everyone that was watching, people maybe that weren't watching, we all thought Sexton was going to win that race at about halfway, right? He had checked out. And you're looking at the the situation behind him and Webb's back there, and you're like, well, Webb's not going to do anything crazy here, right? He's not going to go risk it, take, you know, put in some huge charge to go chase Sexton, da- or chase Sexton, <laughs> chase chase Sexton down, but of course he would, right? <laughs> Everything that we think about Cooper Webb, he just wants to defy us. He loves, I think, laughing in the face of everyone's doubt, and we're going to cover Cooper Webb in a minute, but As far as Sexton goes, I thought he was on his way to his first win. He may have gotten fatigued a little bit there. I think maybe mentally he got a little bit nervous because his pace that he was running around, you know, eight minutes in, I don't think anybody could touch. You know, he went up and passed Webb and kind of checked out. And then I think that just that caught up to him a little bit, both mentally and physically, but still a great ride. He got on the podium. He's showing incredible promise. He's making good on all of the investment that Honda has put into him and all the, the hope that they have for him moving forward. And his future is incredibly bright. So I have him at number five. You know, really, he could make a case for being higher than this moving forward, but you know, he had an injury he should have won that Houston race that he got injured at, and then that really set him back, and he's kind of just getting back to that form now. You could argue that his fitness isn't all the way back yet. He kind of just proved that last night. So if you don't have him on your as one of your podium contenders for outdoors, you may want to reconsider like ASAP. Don't tell anybody that. Just, just reconsider it at home in the privacy of your home, and then next time you're bench racing— add that in there. That's just my advice. He is going to be the real deal this summer. I'm just telling you what's, what's about to happen. I think you're going to see, you know, guys like Cooper Webb not take outdoors as seriously because Supercross is what their priority and their focus was on. You're going to lose guys like Mookie. I don't know that Ken Roxon's going to race this summer. I, I don't have any information to share, but he didn't race last year. The way it's the way it looks like it's going and trending, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't race. Point being, the job is going to be a little bit easier than it is right now for Chase to do well. Yes, you will add back in guys like Zach Osborne and others. Okay, that is that's a fair point to be made. But if Chase Sexton's able to be on the podium in Supercross and be battling to try to win, he's certainly going to be there uh, this summer. So nice shot from him. Nice improvement. I think you'll see him win a race in 2022. I I have, I'm fairly confident in that he should have won. I think he should have won last night. I think he should have won that Houston round where he hurt his shoulder, but he's getting better and he's going to be, uh, he's going to be a force to reckon with in this class for a very long time. So nice series for chase rookie supercross series. And I think everything's going exactly how you would draw it up for him. He is, uh, it's hard to say somebody's going to be a champion. You never really know. But he's showing all of the telltale improvements that a champion in this class would want to have. At number four, I have Marvin Muscan. Great way to finish the series from Marvin. Awesome ride in Salt Lake, both rounds. He wins the first Salt Lake. He backs it up with a second place at uh, Salt Lake 2. And he's in a little bit of a contract. Uh, know, dispute's not the right word. He is in a negotiation. That's exactly the right word. He has an offer, but I know he's trying to get the dollar amount up because, and, and KTM's probably pushing back on that because they're going to have three guys. It looks like they added Aaron Plessinger to the team, which is not official, but I, I'm comfortable saying he'll be there. And of course, Cooper Webb is under contract, but he's going to get all the money, right? he, <laughs> winning another supercross championship and everything that's going so right for him, he's absorbing a lot of resources. So that doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for Marvin to stay on that team and also demand a huge paycheck. So for him to go out and have two great races, all the KTM brass were at Salt Lake two for the championship. That was a great look for Marvin, a great ride from him with KTM in attendance, right? Uh, all the guys coming over from Europe, of course, the North America team—they're all here. They were all not here, but they were all in Salt Lake. And when you have that opportunity and you're center stage, and they're you're they're there, like you have their full attention. They're not in Europe, and there's not a time change, and they're not watching uh, via DVR recording or whatever. That's a big statement to make. So when you go in, or your agent goes in today or Monday morning and starts negotiating you have more leverage. And that's what, you know, you I, you guys all know this, right? You're in some ac- aspect of your business. Any negotiation is about leverage. Who has the leverage? If you have more leverage, the other side's willing to be more flexible. And if there is more budget to be had, KTM's, I'm going to guess, a little more likely to help Marvin out in the wake of those good results. That's just how these things work. So good for Marvin. Great guy. Super polite. Does things the right way, and it, it was nice to see him have a great end to the series. Going, uh, going one, two there. Number three, Eli Tomac. I don't know what to make of those last two rounds. I, I mentioned it earlier, but crashes a little bit disinterested. I feel. I think he's going to really try to win this Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Series again. We did see him ride really well, like the heat race. He rode incredibly well. And I actually picked him to win the race, and we do uh, a few shows leading up to it, even one, a live one at the event, and I picked Eli Tomac to win. It wasn't meant to be, you know, the starts are just so inconsistent for him, and always have, always have been. And then he goes down, which certainly killed any chances from there. But, you know, third in points, he deserves to be third in the power rankings, I believe, too. But I, I do think this is a very important summer for Eli Tomac. If he comes out and is just in that top three top five, wins a couple motos, but isn't dominant that same form again, then I think we've got a definitive trend there. And I think he's lost that last percent or two of edge that he had because if we go back to 2020 supercross, certainly nineteen eighteen seventeen, he was the fastest guy, in my opinion. And it was very hard to make a case against it. I don't care who you were a fan of, Webb, Roxon, Didn't matter if he was a champion or not. I don't care. My opinion, and a very strong opinion, was that Tomac was the fastest guy at all times. He may not win. May have made a mistake. Maybe gets a bad start. Maybe gets arm pump. Who knows? But I believe he was the fastest guy in all of those series in almost every race. I don't believe that to be the case right now. He can be the fastest guy, but he's not always the fastest guy. He's not the default guy that you're going to say, well, if if Tomac's in the in the hunt, he's going to win. That's how it's always been for the last, I don't know, since 2017 for sure, maybe 2016 at times, but it, that doesn't feel, it doesn't have that same feel anymore. So I think he needs to really come out and reestablish that atmosphere and that aura about him uh, this summer. I don't, I don't expect him. I don't think he's going to, but that's If you're an Eli Tomac team member or you're just a fan, that's certainly what you're hoping for. Ken Roxon, he's number two. He's second place in points. He was the only rider going into the finale that had a chance to win the championship other than Cooper Webb. So there are a lot of positives to be made about Ken Roxon's season. He won multiple races. There were certain nights where he was unequivocally the best rider. But I don't think anybody can point to the last few rounds and say, that was good. It was not. Uh, Mistakes, mental errors, physical fitness letdowns, in my opinion. Of course, you're always pointing to the the trauma that his body went through and all those surgeries and how that affected his uh, ability to hold on late in races and just fatigue mentally, physically there's a lot going on in the story of Ken Roxon, but that was not a good way to end the series. He had to be just completely frustrated on every level leaving, uh, Salt Lake city last night and this morning, just a, just a tough deal. And for Kenny, he has been so hell bent on approaching this series in a, a different mental way, right? He's very Zen. Like is how he's trying to approach it. And, and, even keel. No, not too high, not too low, but man, that had to be tough. I I don't, I'm not, I'm not big on a lot of that stuff. Like I don't, I don't meditate or do any of that stuff. I, it's just never been my thing. Uh, but that had to be mentally debilitating regardless of yoga or stretching or meditating or you're drinking green tea. I I don't know what these people do, man. It's not, it's like I said, it's not my thing. I don't have anything against it. I've just never really been into it either. And I just look at it from the outside saying that had to be hard to swallow sitting in your motorhome after the race. Yeah. You have your baby there and your wife's there and you have all these people that love you and are, are unconditional support. That's great. But when you're laying there and your wife's asleep, And you're staring at the ceiling, wondering what the hell just went on out there. How did I go from running away with the lead to what do you get? 10th, 11th, whatever you got with nothing. You had no no ability to fight off anybody. You had no energy, no stamina, no speed. Like, ah, man, it had to be difficult. And I feel for him. I really do. I like Kenny. He's a really nice guy. He's always been nice to me. I have a, a history that goes back a long time because he, you know, I was racing in Germany when he was a kid and he was hanging out. I always cheer for Kenny. I don't have any answers though. This it, is not going very well. And, and I, I do really feel bad for him. Listen, he has a great life. He Shouldn't be deserving of a lot of sympathy. Like he's a multimillionaire one of the most charismatic marketable riders on the face of the earth right so don't feel bad for him but that had to be these last few races had to be tough on him mentally to sort through and and to to go through that and then if he's planning on racing motocross this summer to snap back and show up and expect to win i don't i don't know how you do that man i, I don't know it's going to be it's going to be an interesting few months in the story of Ken Roxon. number 1 Big shocker is Cooper Webb, and I'm kind of running out of superlatives here. I didn't expect him to really do a lot at that finale, and of course, he wants to go out and show everybody who's boss, and he goes out and wins the damn race, and he had to work for it. He got passed. He got shuffled back, and then he's like, nah, I'm good. I'm just going to turn it up here in the second half of the race, just like I always do, and I'm going to show these guys what time it is. You guys... Want me to put a stamp on this Supercross? Well, here it comes, and that—that that said a lot to me, man. Good for him. I have nothing but the utmost respect for the mental strength that he has, the mental fortitude, whatever way you want to put it. That guy is a badass. Straight up, uh, nothing but respect moving forward for that guy. Um, there aren't a lot of people that can do what he does consistently, and. He's not scared to tell you he's going to whoop your ass and then go ahead and do it right on top of it. That doesn't happen very often, and it's not my style. Like I, I I'm not really big on that. Like I don't like cockiness and I don't like people being super brash. But the one thing I'm going to ask is if you're gonna if you're going to talk, you better be able to back it up. And if you're going to tell somebody how good you are, you better be able to go out and whoop their ass right on the backside of it. And he he does that. It's it's really really impressive great job. Congratulations to Cooper Webb. You earned every ounce of this championship and yeah, can't ever take it away from two-time champ. I don't know what the summer is going to bring. I don't think he's going to win the Lucasfilm Pro Motocross Championship and I don't think he cares. I really don't think he cares. I think his his focus and his energy, we're, we're all in on, on Supercross and I think it will be all in again next year. But I think the summer is, okay, we're going to go race, but Yeah. If if I do well, I do. If I don't, I don't, but the pressure is off for the 2021 series. And yeah, I just think he gets to take a deep breath and and go race and and let things unfold. But I think there will be other riders that are all in on motocross, like Zach Osborne. And and I think Tomac will show up. I think Sexton will too. And so we'll see, we'll see if I'm right or wrong in that. Maybe Webb comes out and stomps everybody. I just don't personally see that happening. So that's your top 10, a little longer podcast today. But there was a lot to cover and uh, a lot to reflect on. I do want to do a MotoGP little review. If, if I have time, I'm going to try to knock that out this week. If not, I'll do it uh, maybe Saturday, get it out. There was a race today. My buddy Jack Miller, who I've gotten to hang out with a few times and, and I consider a friend, got the win. Very excited for him. He's gone through a lot this year mentally, trying to cope with the pressure of being Uh, on factory Ducati and those, you know, I don't know how well versed you are with Italians, all of you, but they, they are high pressure. They do not accept, uh, they don't accept failure well. And and even poor results, it doesn't even have to be failure. It can just be disappointment would be a better word. They don't, they don't like that. It doesn't go well. And it's a very toxic situation if you're not performing. And if you're involved with any sort of Italian company or brand or OEM or whatever, I've been there, I've done it. And it's just not it's not a positive situation. So for him to go get that win, man, it just had to be such a relief. And uh, I just couldn't have been more happy for, for Jack Miller. So get into some MotoGP stuff. We'll do some outdoor uh, preview. And then in the coming weeks, we have three weekends off before we will show up to Paula on May 29th. So that'll be a nice little break. But I'll try to keep these podcasts rolling and keep some content coming. Uh, I like doing these podcasts just as, as much as I hope you guys listening to them. I definitely want to thank all the sponsors. I want to thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. See you.